everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 10, and we are in Key 3, which is to regard each other's needs as more important than your own. So in the last episode, we talked about three ways to become a student of your spouse. Um, And today we are going to look at a fun visual or a fun question. Um, Is she a red solo cup or a crystal goblet? So just kind of a helpful visual as you husbands are considering your wives. Yeah, this came up in we were talking about it before we started recording. I believe it came up in a session that we were working with a couple some time back. And uh, often when I'm working with couples, especially talking to the man, I will make reference or we will make reference to first Peter three, seven. I'm reading from the new American standard there. And Peter says, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. And in the midst of of our conversations, I think Dawn made an allusion to this. We didn't even have these visuals before us, but made the an allusion to a crystal wedding goblet versus a red solo cup. And I could see the the eyes of this guy's heart being enlightened as as Paul talks about in Ephesians one, it was, it, it, it's like a light bulb came on and we began to realize, okay, that's a powerful, that's a good visual image for men because many of us as men are just visual learners. And so if you ever come in our office now, you'll see a crystal wedding goblet from Mayan Dawn's wedding from December of 87 sitting there and then a red solo cup. And I've had a time or two people come in and throw the red solo cup away <laughs> because they thought it was just Whoops, a trash. trash. <laughs> they leave the crystal goblet, but I'm like, where's my red solo cup? And so, hence, that's where we're going with this episode. Yeah, that's good. I'm a visual learner, too, and I feel like... Well, certainly when we read the scriptures, Jesus, you know, gave us so much visually to understand things spiritually. So this is really kind of that lesson. And as we've kind of come off of the teaching of becoming a student of your spouse, you know, things you want to know about them. I'm going to kind of put this under the category of things you need to know about yourself. And so uh, I want to kind of broaden out a little bit and look at the teaching for wives and husbands in First Peter chapter 3. And whenever Scott and I teach the marriage scriptures, we always want to make the point that whenever it's brought out in the scriptures, teachings for wives or for husbands, it's it comes after uh, the instructions to the church. It comes after how we are to relate to one another in the body of Christ. There's just a lot of foundational work there that both Paul and Peter in their writings um, are important for us uh, to take note of. And I feel like that where we've gotten off is that we've kind of cherry pick these scriptures. We kind of take them out and we make them the central focus of, uh, of a teaching to a Christian couple. But Scott and I believe 
what is central to teaching a Christian couple is two things. First, one, each one of you are image bearers of a holy God. Secondly, you are children of God. And those two things are identity statements that don't change. They ne- they will never change about Scott. They will never change about me. Husband and wife, their titles, their roles that that we've been given the blessing of being able to fulfill. And actually, those can change. Um, you know, if something happened to Scott, I wouldn't necessarily be a wife any longer or vice versa. So, you know, those things, those things can change. Um, but what never changes are our identity statements. So when we're relating to one another, we have to, we have to take those two things into account first, which is really the basis of where we're going with this teaching today. But I want to, I want to start by reading first Peter chapter three, uh, starting in verse one. And Peter writes, wives in the same way, be submissive to your husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may, may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair or the wearing of gold uh, jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what's right and do not give way to fear. And husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers." So wives, the first thing I think that I want you to know about yourself is that when these, the, the coupling of, of uh, the stringing together of these words, submissive, quiet, and gentle have, have been, um, I think really, um, been taught in a destructive way that, that in context, you are to sit down and be quiet and just follow along whatever goes, whatever comes in your way in terms of your, the leadership from your husband. And that is not what Peter is saying here. Um, of course we, you know, we, we haven't, and maybe we have talked about submission in episodes past. I'm not sure, but we will get to it if we don't. Um, it's definitely not a worldly picture. It, there's biblical submission is very different. But I want to touch on this business of being quiet and gentle spirit. It has nothing to do with your personality. So I kind of want you to rule that out. I mean, I know some loud women, you know, I know some, some big, some pretty, you know, out there personalities who have a quiet and gentle spirit. They understand a quiet spirit is a spirit that is settled. That they are settled on who God is and who they are in the Lord. And that brings an assurance to a woman that brings a great deal of stability to them and a great deal of power and a great deal of strength. And then a gentle spirit is a, uh, is a, sp- a spirit that's, uh, really strong, but, but under restraint. So gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is strength under restraint. That there's a right time and a right place for a woman to release her strength. Women have plenty of strength on their own. Uh, God made femininity, femininity to match masculinity and its strength to be able to rule and subdue and produce in this world. If there's ever to me any evidence of a woman's strength, I often think about Mary, 
the mother of Jesus and the full arc of her life, you know, from the time when she was a teenager to, you know, to have to become pregnant with uh, with the savior of the world. But then also to stand at the foot of the cross of her son and and the amount of strength that that would take from a woman is beyond herself. And this is this is the kind of strength that God created for us. Um, but there's a right place and a right way to release that strength. So for us, that quiet and gentle spirit is that one of being settled on who God is and who she is in the Lord, and then understanding when to release that strength. It's an important lesson for us to learn. And understanding in this text, which is amazing to me, that a woman can actually win and influence somebody without even saying a word. That's in, that is powerful influence. And I feel like we've been robbed of that as women in the in the understanding of how of the gift of influence that we have. I feel like women who aren't secure in who they are in the Lord, who he is and who she is, they're going to clamor for power in some way. And most of the time it's about title. If I can get the title, then I'll be powerful. But that's not true. God made us influential, which is a a great deal of power. Um, And we should understand that about ourselves and be able to stand firm in that and embrace that not an understanding that somehow we're weaker or less than that we don't share the same love of God from God that men do that's just not true um as we sort of move into these instructions on a husband it's important to understand that ladies i want you to sort of sit and wrap your brain around that but as we kind of move into this idea of the difference between uh a crystal goblet and a red solo cup with Scott and Emily. And I have actually that on our table as Scott mentioned. And so you're going to have to use your imagination out there as we kind of talk about this, but I'm going to ask Emily and Scott to, I'd like, so here's our red solo cup and I'd like for y'all to give me, you know, three or four adjectives that would describe a red solo cup. What do you think? What, what is a red solo cup to you? Just throw it away when you're done. Okay. <laughs> Just throw it away when you're done. Disposable. Disposable. Yeah. Good. Convenient. Convenient. Cheap. I mean, you can get them pretty much anywhere. Yep. Dollar General, Walmart, anywhere. Yep. What else? Anything else? Replaceable. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Replaceable. Plentiful. I mean, look, you know, you could go to Sam's and get a bag of yeah, 300 yeah. of those. And they don't cost that much. They don't cost that much at all. So pennies, pennies for a piece. But I still like to put them in the dishwasher and wash them. No, you don't. And I do. Are you serious? I do. I, I just feel guilty throwing them away because I'm like, that's a perfectly good cup. We can use it I'm next time. Shout we out have- to my Papa Bill there. <laughs> He would appreciate you. <laughs> he would appreciate that. Well, here's my sister, though. My sister would put styrofoam cups in the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, no. That's a mess. She's we frugal. We're going to put it that frugal. way. Yeah, that's that's right. She's very she frugal. That's right. She is. Good. Okay. So here we got the red solo cup. But now let's um, let's comment on the crystal. This, is, this truly is a piece of our wedding crystal that we got almost uh, 35 years ago yeah. now. So mm-hmm. adjectives to describe the crystal goblet. Well, that's fragile. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, well, expensive. I don't mm-hmm. know who gave us that. You probably know. Remember, I have no clue who gave us that. Mm, I know you don't. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Precious. Yeah, mm-hmm. precious. Memorable. Memorable. Yeah. It's usually connected to 
an event, a ceremony, mm-hmm. a celebration. Yep, that's right. Um, it's definitely more refined mm-hmm. than the plastic cup. It's beautiful. Um, these are the differences in the red solo cup and the crystal goblet. It makes a, a good sort of illustration between what is super, super valuable and what is not as valuable, but is a little more functional. Okay. So the red solo cup and cause you all can sort of crank up Toby Keith's red solo cup. I mean, a whole country song that <laughs> was written for that. And it's very fun to listen to, but it adequately really describes what a solo cup is. Let's have a party. You know, it, we're here to party. It's really a modern gift to man. And it says, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's have a good time together. You know, there's no, Real commitment that's going to be made between you and me, unless unless you got a sharpie and you want to write your name on me, then you know we'll have that kind of relationship. But even then, after a while, the red solo cup is going to be tossed. It's replaceable. It's cheap. No real concern for how how it's handled. You can do it just about any. If you drop this red solo cup, big deal. It's not not. If somebody comes along and throws away the red solo cup. Not a big deal. There's going to be some somewhere else, you know. I may get it out of the trash can. Well, and, yes, and you would it. because that's an illustration, but not. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if somebody trashed it, we could go find another yeah. one pretty easy. Red Solo Cup, here to make your life go and to see that your momentary pleasures are fulfilled. But now the Crystal Goblet says something totally different. The Crystal Goblet says, I am special. A, a much greater price was paid for me. And I was given as a gift with thoughtfulness and with love. And I possess a unique beauty. I'm more valuable, more refined. I am more fragile. So handle me with great care. My purposes are more noble. And my place in your life and in your home is permanent. I'm here to share your life and to be present in the most significant parts of it and the celebrations of it. So the crystal goblet has a much higher purpose, a much more, a deeper meaning. And what Peter is trying to say to the men of that day, when he says, live with your wife in an understanding way, understand this, that she is something special. She is not what you've been taught in your culture to think that she is. Because in Peter's day, in the culture of that time, Women had the value of a solo cup. They were not really deemed worthy of respect. In fact, they were deemed untrustworthy. Their words were deemed untrustworthy. They had no voice. They had no civil rights. She could be easily divorced for any and every reason. Her value really came from marriage and her ability to bear children and really sons in particular. So it, and honestly, it didn't matter if a woman had the love of her husband. That was a bonus, but marriage meant security and for her. So she could exist in this marriage relationship without value and without love, but because she had security, that is what was afforded to her through that, in that arrangement. And Peter says, this should not be in the body of Christ. So he is, he is setting the norms of what what it's going to be like in the body of Christ, in the church, what should be different. Peter speaks out about uh, against these cultural norms. He challenges husbands in the church that belong to Christ to think differently about their wives. And he says, view them as this piece of wedding crystal. This is a way I want you to see her. She is to be treasured. 
So let your manner with her be the way of understanding and treat her with respect. See her the way God sees her. God created her to be a strong, life-giving vessel. She pours out her life as Christ pours his life into her. And your part as her husband is to protect and love and cherish her as she goes about her life-giving ways. That may range anywhere from hanging curtains to raising babies. Lend your strength to her husband when she needs it. Again, she's got plenty of strength on her own, but she needs your special strength, what you can bring to help her as she goes about her life-giving ways, the things that she's been made to do as a woman. This is the security that a wife needs. And here's the... Here's the harsh reality to husbands is that Peter writes that there are there's some consequences if you view your wife as a red solo cup, if you treat your wife as a red solo cup, dispensable, replaceable, uh, without value. If you treat her that way, if you view her that way, you're going to treat her that way. So if you do, he says, look, there's a there's there are consequences to those actions. And he says that if you do, then there there's going to be a, a hindrance to your prayer life. In other words, there's going to be interference on the line. And as the leader of your home, husbands, this is one thing you absolutely cannot afford to lose. You need that direct line of communication open with God. Many years ago, Scott and I lived in a farmhouse, and it had a metal roof on top of it. And if we were inside the house, and we wanted to have, you know, make a phone call, sustain a phone call. We would have a real problems there. So we would have to get up and go outside. And once we got outside, we could get some better signal and then we could hear what people were saying and we could talk to them. I did not call AT&T and say, Hey, you think you can move your cell tower inside my living room so that I could make some phone calls? I didn't do that. That would be ridiculous. But what I did do was get up and reorient myself to the signal. This is what God expects of husbands is, hey, if if this is the way that you've been seeing your wife, if this is the way you've been treating your wife, I need you to get up and reorient yourself to what is true about her so that you and I can have that direct line of communication with one another. That as you start to view her the way that I see her, then you and I are going to be able to talk and to have that that communication So for us, this is just a great illustration of what Peter is talking about here to help us kind of understand something about ourselves in in this as we sort of move forward in this teaching. Yeah, I was thinking as you're talking, Hunt, uh, two things. The way we as guys interact with one another, obviously, I think many men, we interact with each other at a red solo cup level in the sense that. With another fella I, that I may even have a misunderstanding with, we we move through that misunderstanding in a different way. You know, when we were in college or high school or whatever, we could have a conflict. I could have a conflict with a buddy. We might even get into a tussle about things, sometimes even physically. We pat each other on the booty and then go play hoops or something, you know, and we've kind of moved on and it's, it's, it's kind of a red solo cup type interaction. I didn't interact. I don't. And even as an, an adult man, I don't interact with other men on a crystal goblet level. Uh, 
kid gloves or treating treating other men in that uh that they're fragile or uh, I don't know if that's making sense what I'm saying but just understanding I want to say to the guys just get it in your head that you can't interact with your wife at the same level that you interact with your buddies they're totally different and our interactions with our buddies tend to be on a red solo cup level. But what we're trying to encourage you is that it's wholly other your interactions with your wife. Mm-hmm. And I, it really, our point of view makes a big difference on how we treat people. Yeah. If I, if you, if I see you a certain way, I'm going to treat you a certain way. That's why understanding who who you are as an image bearer of a holy God and that you are a child of God, that is, that should, that is God's point of view. That should be my point of view. That's where I start. So that determines how I speak to you, how, you know, how I treat you in terms of just kindness in the home. Um, you know, those, that all, those two truths influence how we treat each other. And for, but for this specifically, um, this is the, the direction for the husband and wife relationship and how important it is to examine our point of view, especially, and I'll just, I mean, not that women are exempt from it, but especially husbands, because yeah. as the leader of the home, you, it's just too important to have that direct line of communication with God, open and free without interference. Yeah. And the second thing I was thinking about as, as you were talking is <clears throat> I had to grapple with this personally. In our interactions, that th- there is a difference between understanding and comprehending. Uh, for instance, there are certain situations that will come up in our life between us as husband and wife, or as we're dealing with other couples, or as we're dealing with our children, or as we're dealing with our parents, that I know in this situation, I know this is how you're going to respond. I comprehend that your reaction or your response is going to be this. Now, coming from my man, masculine world, sometimes I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I, I know this is what you're going to think. This is what you're going to feel. This is going to be how you're going to react. But in my world, it doesn't make sense to me why. So I think sometimes we as men, we, we want to, there's, I just want you to understand guys, you can comprehend about things about your wife, but still not understand why she's wired that way or why she reacts that way. And that's okay. It's just different. Mm-hmm. But going back to what Dawn said at the very beginning is understanding your wife still is designed in the image of God. So the way she responds to things in the spirit is how God's designed her to respond. It may be totally different than how we respond to things, uh, but it doesn't make it wrong because it's different. Doesn't make it wrong. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's helpful. I mean, you know, when I think about um, wives being the weaker 
vessel or, you know, describing the crystal goblet as fragile. Generally speaking, we as women are more sensitive, more tend to be feelers, you know, and men, generally speaking, I feel like aren't. So that might be the disconnect in, I don't know, know, why are you feeling this so strongly? Anyway, but at the end of the day, this is what God's word says, you know, in terms of husbands, how to view and treat your wife. Um, Yeah, so it's helpful. Well, I'll tell you, this passage, 1 Peter 3, 7, came alive to me several years ago. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, You were sick. I can't remember what you had, but I remember you were in the bed, and it was bad. Um, And the way the care and the concern that I had for you, the way I felt towards you, in that moment when you were virtually helpless, I had to wait on you. Um, I had to care for you, to be tender to you, uh, to meet whatever you needed. It was a great visual for me. Okay, this is what it's like. It's not that Dawn is incapable, but in this moment, she is weaker and that was a great visual for me. I don't know if you even remember it, but it was a great visual for me. Okay, Scott, this is what it's like to live with your wife in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel. It's not that she is incapable, but right now she needs you. And that is the way that you're to interact with her daily right. in an understanding way. That's right. And it's precious. It is a precious relationship when we can be tenderhearted toward each other Mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, back to the culture of the day where women were not valued, where they were treated as solo cups, viewed as solo cups. This is an illustration of the heart of God for women that, no, I want it to be different in the church that I'm building, it must be different. It must be a demonstration of how Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And uh, so these are the norms that we're to practice mm-hmm. as believing couples in the church. Yeah. And as we practice it in the church, as you were saying at the very onset, it's the antithesis often of what the culture is practicing. Mm-hmm. But I think as we do it, as you and I, as Benji and Emily, are functioning as representatives of Jesus Christ to one another, as husbands and wife, image bearers of a holy God, it then becomes a testimony to a lost and dying world. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus himself said in John thirteen thirty five, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so the way that Benji loves Emily mm-hmm. tenderly, compassionately, under in an understanding way is a demonstration to a lost and dying world of what Jesus came and stood for. That's right. That's good. That's helpful. This is encouraging, um, good visual picture to remember. Um, Thank you all so much, and stay tuned for another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast.